0: Hi there, Todd, we're back again. Really, uh, I'm really enjoying the life and times of Todd Van Beck, especially last episode when, when you like really went into the um, you know, the history of Heafy and Heafy and, and the locations and you know, just really getting your start in funeral service. So uh, where are we gonna go today?
1: Well, I think we uh, had decided that it would be uh, useful to uh, give a chapter on uh, the funeral home ambulance service sounds great so if you're ready i can uh, kind of dive into this thing all right so the um, story that we've been exploring about my work and my my life uh, you know which of course i'm very humbled and honored that we that you're interested in doing this because i don't really uh, see myself as anything unique. Um there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other funeral directors that probably certainly have more interesting accounts of their life than I do. Uh, but I've had an active career and and I, and, and I've been very fortunate uh, in that I've been able to um, participate. I'm not so sure I was ever really good at it but i participated in one way or the other in every aspect of our great profession there wasn't a thing about funeral service one way or the other over the last 5 decades that i haven't been involved with or uh, you know done personally and one of the one of the uh, chapters that i'm interested in talking about that you you hardly hear anything about it anymore is the Funeral Home Ambulance Service, which is very interesting. I wrote an article about this some years back, about, well, probably 20 years ago, about the history of how the funeral home ended up with the ambulance service. Um, and I, I really personally believe it was such an integral part of the funeral profession at one time. Now, younger funeral directors In fact, you you can gauge the youth of an audience by asking a simple question. How many of you ran the ambulance service through a funeral home? And I've asked that question for the last 50 years doing seminars, and I can tell you the number of people that raise their hands has every year declined, every year. So now, when you have an audience of 50 or 60 people and you ask the question, how many of you, uh, operated the ambulance out of the funeral home, you know, you might get two or three hands up now where 50 years ago, out of 50 or 60 people, you'd get 55 hands going up, uh, because it was so it, in fact, there was particularly Rob in small town, Canada and small town USA. The ambulance was the preview of the funeral home, and and what what fascinates me is I shouldn't say fascinates me because I do understand it is you know the nonstop cynicism and the nonstop jokes that lay people make when they find out that the funeral home ran the ambulance service. They, they almost look at it as if it was a, a scheme of undertakers across North America in order to get more dead bodies, uh, by running the ambulance service. And, and I, I personally, because I don't like, um, people that are cynical about our profession, um, I really, that was what motivated me to write the article was because, you know, I had one person said, oh my God, what a conflict of interest. That's the main thing you hear. What a conflict of interest. The funeral home running the ambulance service. Boy, I had one lady said, oh, I bet you guys drove really slow uh, going to the hospital, right? And and I I wanted to just reach over and smack her right because here i she was i think probably a decent lady but she when it came to funeral service that woman was illiterate she didn't have a clue what she was talking about and and so you know when i was a kid growing up the idea that the funeral director was not involved with the ambulance was unheard of There wasn't a funeral home in the area I grew up in that didn't run an ambulance service. Now, was it like the moving hospitals they have today? Was it these mobile intensive care units that are manned and staffed by registered nurses, pulmonary respiratory therapists, uh, physicians? Uh, Was it like you could do one ambulance call and the bill would be $3,000 as it is today. Of course it wasn't, right? Uh, The um, emergency medical technician program started from the Los Angeles County Fire Department in the late 1970s. But up until that time, the funeral home, uh, and, and once people hear the story, if they're willing to listen to it, it makes absolute sense as to why the funeral home ended up with the ambulance service. It was just a practical reason because between, I would say 1870 and uh, 1990 or 1980, that 90 to a hundred year period, um, there were no um, in the early years of automobile manufacturing. There were no station wagons. There certainly were no vans. There were no special, you know, the only vehicle in the early years that was designed and made to accommodate a a human body was the hearse. That was it. That, That was the only vehicle in our town that you could lay a body down in it and comfortably, or get the body to the hospital, and so the the funeral home, and uh, many of your listeners will have heard this term, was the combination, right? So hundreds, thousands of funeral homes. There were like uh, Sayers and Scoville and Miller Meteor, uh, Hess and Eisenhart, all of those Hearst manufacturers. They also made combination vehicles and the combination vehicle was you could you could transform the hearse into an ambulance very quickly. We had combinations. You would take the red light off the top of the roof of the hearse. You'd pull the rollers out of the back, throw a cot in. Um, and my point being is that the cynics and the, I call them funeral illiterates that that they just jump into this, that what a conflict of interest. Well, it wasn't a conflict of interest at all. As a matter of fact, you can make the case that when the funeral home ran the ambulance service, it was the best deal in town for the taxpayers, right? Because when the fire department takes over an ambulance service, uh, Financially, all bets are off, right? Right? I mean, when the fire department got into the ambulance service, now you're having to buy vehicles. You uh, you have to get either volunteers, which is not easy. Uh, you have to organize the volunteers or you have to pay them, right? Where the funeral home ran the ambulance service, the community didn't care anything about that. So take Council Bluffs, Iowa, for instance, a town of 50, 50 to 60, 55, 60,000 people. There there used to be four funeral homes in Council Bluffs. They all ran ambulance. And so Council Bluffs had four ambulances free, basically, because the funeral homes uh, didn't charge uh, for the uh, ambulance services. And so The minute I started in funeral service, I'm trying to explain this, that ambulance was just part of the system. Um, And it, you know, looking back at it, of course, you know, you could run an ambulance now out of a funeral home the way a hospital or a fire department or a, a municipality can run it, just because of the liability and and that was how we ended up getting out of the ambulance but for a 20 year run of uh, my career uh you know ambulance was just part of the entire uh, system of, of the funeral home so it was a different environment totally um you were much busier for instance i worked at a funeral home that we did Uh, maybe 100 funerals a year, but we did 600 ambulance calls, right? So the ambulance calls always far outweighed uh, the number of funerals uh, that we did. Um, And and it wasn't hospital transfer either. It wasn't, uh, we did hospital transfers to be sure, but it wasn't hospital transfer. All the ambulances that I was involved with we did heavy emergency uh, work. Now, to be fair about it, your younger listeners are going to hear this and start to scoff at this. Today, looking back at it, the emergency work was, in truth, what we call load and go. Right? There, there wasn't a lot of emergency medical tech, you know, our advanced work was first aid, right? So we would have a couple tanks of oxygen in the car. We'd have some towels. We'd have a little basin that they could get sick in. Uh, We'd have a cot and we had a jump seat. Um, And that, and that was it. I mean, we didn't have IVs and we didn't, we didn't even have really splints. When somebody be in a car accident, we had old Timmins splints that had wood slats and canvas with um, with strings attached to them. You could lace them up, and uh, so it was an entirely different environment. And so, once once the government started to pay for ambulance services, particularly Medicare down here in the states. Um, the requirements for ambulances became much more sophisticated, as they are today, with good reason. And then you had the emergency medical technology um, uh, uh, program at Los Angeles County Fire Department. And then you had the paramedic program that just took off. This would have been the late 70s, early 80s. but a hundred years the funeral home even you know it goes back there were horse-drawn ambulances that undertakers ran uh, way back you know after the Civil War uh, they were in it so it was a fascinating uh, chapter uh, in uh, funeral and it was it was a it was, a, it was um, for a young man like myself it was utterly exciting fascinating. There were no boring moments in a funeral home that had an ambulance service, right? You'd be in the middle of a funeral and the highway patrol call and say there was a multiple car accident and you'd have to break two men off, two people, it was mostly men back then, two men off a funeral to run do this call. Uh, you'd be in the middle of embalming a body and the funeral, there'd be an ambulance call, and you'd have to turn the machine off, uh, pull your gloves off, take your gown off, uh, throw a sheet over the body, and off you go. And you do the ambulance call, and you come back, turn the machine back on. And this, this would be all night long. It just, it just never stopped. It was, uh, the word is, it was crazy. It was crazy. I'll tell you a funny story. We we had this lady in our town because the funeral homes that I had, we ran ambulance, of course. And if we hauled her, if we hauled her once, we hauled her a thousand times because this woman and some of your listeners who are familiar with this history will remember this. You you had in in towns, you had chronic patients and the chronic patients were that they were at death's door you'd haul them to the hospital and they would miraculously be cured you'd haul them back and then the next week same damn thing would happen they'd call there okay this is it it's over with mother's on her way uh, down and uh, you got to take her that and we'd haul her okay and then they'd call the hospital call well mother's going back home uh, she she had this uh recuperation this miracle she's it's a miracle right some they'd say it's a miracle she's been healed again right and we had this old lady in our town and i'm not exaggerating you i mean my lord and and the and the ambulance trips were 30 miles because cedar rapids was the next big hospital um and and then if she was really sick we'd have to take her to the university hospital in iowa city that was 50 miles away so i mean if you were on one ambulance call you were gone for two three hours right i mean you were just gone so anyway we hauled her and 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 and she died finally we picked the paper up she died and i remember I read that obituary and my heart just hit the floor because I didn't get the call. Right. They they called, they called the other funeral home. Oh my God. I don't know if your listeners can relate to losing a call, but I mean, I was just sick. I got fever blisters on my lips. I was so, I was so agitated about it. And, um, so maybe, maybe six weeks later I'm downtown and now, here's the other point I need to tell you. I never sent that family a bill. Not one bill did I send that family. Nothing. Not, not a bill. Because I thought to myself, I'll, I'll have the funeral, right? And as goodwill, I'm, I'm do, promoting the funeral home, et cetera. I, saw, I ran into her son downtown. And I couldn't take it. I couldn't hold it in. So I said, I'm sorry to hear about your mother. And, you know, what the hell? How? And so finally, I just blurted it out. I said, I, I have to ask you, did we do anything? Did we do anything to upset you? She go. Oh, the, the, the man said, oh, no, 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 no. Mother loved you. Uh, she just thought you were just, uh, you hung the moon. And, I, I, and, and I, I just stood there with my mouth hung open, and, and he looked at me, and he, here's what he said. He said, well, when mother died, my wife and I talked this over, and we decided that we'd given you all the ambulance business, and we'd give the funeral to the other funeral home, just to be fair. <laughs> I, I mean, if your listeners don't find that humorous, then they haven't done much on the ambulance because that kind of stuff was that happened a lot. Right. So anyway, that's that's the little bit of the amb- the calls were all over the map. Uh, you know, the stuff that people get themselves involved with, it, you just never knew what you're going to run into. Uh,
0: so. So, Todd, then, because I was going to ask this question. So. So you never were paid like by from the county or the hospital or this was done because you said you know that one year you did 600 ambulance calls so you did that for free for goodwill period
1: yeah uh, depending on the funeral home they for, well first first of all you, you, even if you send a bill you'd rarely get paid
0: like to the family right. you mean
1: yeah Yeah, right. Uh, Second of all, it was hard in a city particularly to pin down uh, the accuracy of who you were hauling, right? Because they could lie to you about their address, their phone number. Uh, So the accuracy of your information was a little dicey at times. Um, so yes, uh, and, and the other side of it is, is that when I started running ambulance, uh, we charged $15 a call, right? So that wouldn't, that would not even that between, between the, uh, cost of the vehicle and the pay that you're given to the person that's going on the call with you. Uh, it was a losing proposition. And then when we started to apply to Medicare to get reimbursed, the paperwork and the hoop jumping uh, through Medicare, uh, the funeral home was simply not geared to handle that, right? I think, I, well, no, uh, professional ambulance services, uh, are they do very well at that, right? Because they have full-time uh, compliance officers, they have full-time accountants and bookkeepers, That that's all they do is deal with, uh, with the government. Um, when I was in Boston, uh, going to mortuary school, which we're gonna be talking about in a little bit, um, the funeral home I worked at there was the last funeral home in Boston to run an ambulance service. And we had the contract for Logan Airport. Because uh, we were a mile away from the airport, and I'll tell you, that was an experience. Um, and I know that they, they made money on the ambulance service. Uh, this would have been 1970 to 73. Uh, they, made, they did. They ran that as a business. Um, a lot of funeral homes, a lot of them ran it as a community courtesy right? That this was part of the services of the funeral home. Um, and so it, it, it all depended upon the funeral home, uh, 600 ambulance calls a year, and, you know, the funeral home uh that funeral home was doing a bunch of funerals. And so in some operations, it was just a cost of doing business. Um, and You know, it was, um, very, I think looking back at it, it was, um, not very sophisticated. Um, but what, but what we did have, we had great vehicles, honest to God, uh, those vehicles were drop dead gorgeous. I mean, these Cadillac high tops that had every light God ever invented on them and, uh, I mean, we looked good going down the street. There was no, I know I'm not, the care wasn't all that sophisticated, but we looked we looked good. So um, in answer to your question, yeah, some funeral homes uh, made money on it, but not, not, not many of them, I wouldn't say. And I also would say that by the late 1970s, uh, between the requirements of the government and also the financial lack of performance was a was a comprehensible excuse for funeral homes to say we're done with it now i have to say this though when the funeral homes started to get out of it it caused a major social upheaval in communities for the for the same reason that i just said to you now the city fathers, instead of saying, oh, well, the funeral home, eh, we'll do it. And some funeral, go back to your thing about subsidies. Some funeral homes would go to the city fathers, the city council, and say we're going to get out of the ambulance service. And the city, the city would, instead of having to look at a million-dollar budget to start their own ambulance service, they would look at the funeral home and say, we'll give you a monthly subsidy. Right, we'll give you ten thousand dollars a month just to run the thing. Right, you don't have to. We'll pay, but even that began to wear thin because the it, because by that time, Rob r- appropriately advanced first aid wasn't going to cut it, um, and also you could lose your funeral home over a fifteen dollar ambulance call. Because people were, the 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 incidences of lawsuits against funeral homes and ambulance services were increasing as it was the time when people just were suing each other as they still are today, right? It was just that period. So so it was it was all over the map, uh, to be sure. There was, but was th- there, it was a fascinating. Did,
0: yeah, as we wrap up, Todd, was there, um, And you mentioned about it briefly for, you know, the decision for it to, you know, wind up, um, was there negative, um, sentiment from the community to the funeral homes that they weren't doing this anymore or did they, did they kind of understand what, you know, that this is just, no, no,
1: no, they, they weren't particularly understanding about it because most oftentimes it was not handled particularly well. Right, that the funeral home, I did it. I did it. I made the decision that I was out of the ambulance service. We didn't handle it well at all. And, my, and the other funeral home in town, the place that I lost that call to, and I, you know, that wasn't the only call I lost to the other funeral home over my career. They were ready to get out of it too. It was one of the few things that we agreed on uh during our our business relationship. Um, and uh, so we we went and notified the, the uh, mayor of the town that we were out and and the newspaper, I remember the newspaper in Cedar Rapids picked up on it. and it was it, it was um, it was before I had written my series of articles on how to deal with the media. Uh, I, and so there, I remember the reporter called up, and and he was a little bit of a pill about it, you know, one of these investigative kind of, the Cedar Rapids, Iowa version of 60 Minutes, you know, Mike Wallace, uh, from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and and I didn't handle well. It it just broke that the funeral homes were getting out, and what happened was that the 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 fire department didn't want it right I mean with good reason the the fire department was having trouble finding volunteers just to just to go on the fires let alone you know because the town might have had 20 fires a year but my goodness sakes we'd have 200 am- 400 ambulance calls a year right so Um, So we didn't handle that particularly well. So that incidence, there was a a young man who was highly ambitious, um, and he had had a a job with an EMT in Cedar Rapids, and he decided to set up a volunteer ambulance uh, program. And I gave our ambulance, I donated the ambulance uh, to the city, uh, which kind of helped Uh, smooth ruffled feathers out Uh, but yeah I mean it was because it was um, it was easy to let the funeral home do it right I mean nobody nobody cared that we had to get nobody cared that we were up all hours of the night Uh, we paid our staff ourselves we had to do our own laundry we had to buy the vehicle we had to stock the vehicle nobody nobody in town cared about that until the taxpayers had to pay for it and then all of a sudden the radar went up Uh, but you know rob that was 40 that was 43 years ago Uh, and that volunteer ambulance service is still operating in that little town yeah
0: oh well that's interesting todd and you know i've been in in funeral service for you know three decades and and I've I've never the funeral home that I was at, we didn't have ambulance service. So I too, even though I wouldn't publicly um, ask, I had those same questions about isn't this a uh, conflict of interest? But it, it the way you explained it makes sense. I think this is gonna be great to just put all those cynics to rest and they can uh, they can listen to your account of, of that and to you know, for all the all the funeral homes that did, we're doing it out of service and although I think you should have told that guy um, oh, you know, your mom has all these unpaid ambulance bills. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, you know, Rob, you know, I'm not that savvy a business person, right? I would that would not have come into my. <laughs> room. I was so traumatized by losing that call. Uh, so,
0: well, this is great, Todd. Now, um, in our next episode, what comes next uh, in the?
1: Uh, it's about time for us to look at me going to mortuary college
0: okay well that's uh, and that
1: will be that will be our episode
0: that sounds great well once again todd thanks for sharing this uh, this has been great as always we'll talk to you soon
1: all right thank you rob